Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. Okay, before I go on, this is where I wish this wasn't a one-sided conversation. This is where I wish I could look you in the eyes and say, how are you? Really, how are you? I shared, I think, in the very first episode that I'm that friend that will sit with you at a coffee shop as you pour out your heart and say, that sucks. And if it's helpful, then I will offer my thoughts on the matter. And I have found it a bit challenging in this season to know what to say, because I know that everyone listening is experiencing such a variety of circumstances. In some ways, we're all in this together. And in others, the circumstances are just so vastly different. And as I thought through this series on cultivating, I quickly came up with quite a few topics to cover. Areas in our lives that need a little focus. Areas that would really help us thrive. But to be honest, none of them seem to be just right for just now. For us, we have just started week nine of quarantine. And while where I live is set to begin opening up many areas of business and loosening the restrictions on social distancing this coming weekend, it still feels a little heavy. And as I began to think, how, how do I cultivate hope when we're so weary? You know, I woke up Monday morning of this week and as I anticipated homeschooling my kids yet again, honestly, I just wanted to quit before we'd even started. And they are done. They are ready to be in summer mode and they're tired of this whole thing. And to be honest, I am too. So in some ways I felt a bit discouraged. What do I really have to offer you? Do I just sit across from you in this virtual space and say, that sucks? Or is there something more? Something that I know could make a difference in your life in this season and in the seasons to follow. So friend, if you are feeling worn and weary, pull up a seat, grab a cup of coffee, or keep power walking your way around the block. And let's talk about cultivating a soft heart. I've been thinking a lot about gardening this past while. Now keep in mind, I actually haven't done a ton of gardening, but I have been thinking about it. I've just wrapped up leading my first group of women through my online Tangled course. And in this course, we use the analogy of weeds that are hanging out in the soil of our heart, things that aren't helping us thrive in our lives. We talk about how we can partner with Jesus in their removal. And one of the things I have noticed in real life weeding is that weeds are removed far more easily when the soil is soft. 
Now, last fall, I went for a jog in the rain, and I guess things must have been pretty loud at home for me to head out just then. Um, But as I made it back home, I finally decided to tackle these two incredibly nasty-looking huge weeds. I'd heard from a friend that if you weed in the rain or just after the rain, that the soil has been loosened, and she was right. These huge weeds popped right out all the way down to the root. And this really got me thinking about my own heart. When my heart is soft, I'm able to partner with Jesus to get rid of the junk that has been hanging out there so much more easily than when my heart is hard. And I want to talk for a minute about what a hard heart looks like. A hard heart feels wronged by the world. A hard heart needs to look out for number one and protect itself. A hard heart points the finger at others instead of accepting ownership for its part in the situation. A hard heart needs to explain itself, especially if it does apologize, there's always a reason after the apology. A hard heart blames. A hard heart is full of rights. I have the right to just fill in the blank. And a hard heart looks for faults in others. Now, can I say you may have felt like, ooh, some of those are true of me. And can I say I can only share those things because those have been true of me as well. I've walked around with a heart of stone. It is only through walking in step with Jesus that he has begun to soften my heart. A few years ago, I was shocked to discover that maybe not all of my favorite Christian authors were actually pointing me to Jesus. I just sort of bought whatever the latest popular book to come out was, and I just ate it up. But then I started to become a little more aware of what I was consuming. And I realized that not all books labeled Christian were helpful for me. Now, this in of itself isn't a bad thing. It's a really good thing to be discerning about what we watch, what we read, what we listen to. However, this is where I went off track. I began to investigate every author I read. I would search what they had posted on Instagram, see who they followed, who they were friends with. This feels terrible, even that I'm admitting this to you. But I wasn't looking up these things because I wanted to get to know these authors more. It's because I wanted to put them in a camp, an us versus them camp. And I felt totally justified in doing this. Again, keep in mind, I can guard my mind and what I let myself watch and listen to. But it was the act of simply trying to check out what people were about about just to put them on my team or another team was awful. Each and every time I did that, I was planting seeds of judgment against them. And can I tell you that is so damaging to my soul. We're not called to judge. And growing up in the church, what I've discovered is that Christians, myself included, myself 100% included, we don't Um, just judge those outside of the church. In fact, often I think we are much more brutal with the people who are inside the church. 
our brothers and sisters in Christ. And this has been something God has been softening my heart on for a while now. And while I had stopped trying to categorize people well on social media and while talking to others, I knew I still had a weed of judgment hanging out in the soil of my heart. And this is what I love about God. He is so gentle. He often just makes us aware of what is going on in our heart and then sort of presses on that place ever so gently. And this is what I call conviction. It is the moment where we know we are wrong. We've been thinking or acting in a way that is out of line with who he has made us to be. And by pressing gently on this place in our heart, he's actually inviting us to be relieved not only of the pain of conviction, but to be freed from this thing that is actually causing more damage in our lives. And he invites us to do this by surrendering it to him and through confession and repentance. And to be honest, I think this is one area where as a church body, I think we need to do a better job of emphasizing. When I think of the word confession, I think of a criminal. And I don't want to be associated with the image of a criminal, but when when I think, sorry, but I think when we think of confession, we need to change our picture and think about picture a track star in a four by four relay, just waiting to be past the baton. And when we confess, it is though someone has placed that baton in our hands and we take off, we run free. Confession lets us run freely in this life where otherwise we've been held in bondage. Sometimes we are stuck in an area of our lives and we don't know why. And I wonder if you are standing in the waiting zone on the track and Jesus is trying to hand you that baton with the slightest nudge of conviction, just waiting for you to confess and take off running. And this is where it's up to us. He's bringing the heart nudge of conviction, but sometimes we don't want to take the baton. We think it's just safer and better to hang out in that little space in that track waiting zone but we're not running freely that way. And anytime we feel that nudge of conviction, it's for our good. We have a good, good father who wants us to run freely and lightly, not to hold on to those things that are holding on to us and holding us back. And I don't think confession is a one-time event. Jesus in Matthew 6 talks about how to pray. He teaches us this is how we pray. And in Matthew 6, 12, he says, forgive us our debts in the Lord's prayer. So this is like teaching us to pray every day, like every day. Are you waking up every day and confessing to Jesus? My guess is no. And it may be the case for some of you, but to be honest, many of us just wake up and do our thing. We deal with the kids, we grab coffee or get dressed and get going, but confess? How about at the end of the day? We cozy under the blankets and grab a book or zone out staring on our phones or watch a show, but do we confess? And to be honest, we might find pockets in the day 
where we feel that press of conviction and we confess to Jesus exactly that thing we have been holding on to that is weighing us down. But at least in my own life, some of those things might be surface things like, God, forgive me for yelling at my children or for being rude to my husband or for accidentally stealing a tomato from the produce stand. True story. And that confession is good and that confession is needed. But the kind of confession I was just talking about, that deeply rooted weed of judgment hanging out in my heart, that kind of conviction only comes when we're actually spending time with God. It's like when I'm getting to know a new friend and I don't really know them that well. I can sort of guess where they'd like to go or what they'd like to do when we hang out. Do they want to grab a coffee or go to a movie or what kind of movie? But as I get to know them more, I know, okay, she is a Starbucks snob. We for sure need to go there instead of the hipster coffee place or no rom-coms for her. She thinks they're dumb and predictable. And the same is true with God. When we spend more time with him, we begin to realize what areas of our life are lining up well with who he is and who he designed us to be. Not to make us robots or to ruin our lives or wreck our fun, but for our freedom. He designed life itself and he knows the absolute best way to live it. And living free from all that hinders us is that way. I want to read again one of the theme verses for this podcast, Hebrews 12, 1, which says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We have to throw off what is holding us back, what is entangling us. Then we can run this race freely. And part of throwing it off is confessing and repenting. To be honest, I find the confessing part way easier. Repenting is a change of course, a change of direction from what was away from God towards God. And that is hard. I heard a speaker once say, if you don't find sin fun, you're doing it wrong. So it can be hard to turn from those things. But here's what I find a bit tricky about sin. It's not always that obvious. It's not always the partying or the sleeping around kind of things. It's like what I was sharing earlier, the judgment I was creating in my heart and the justification I had of it. And I wish this example was a one-off, but there have been so many areas of my heart God has pressed on. And repenting in this area is also hard. Choosing to act differently, especially when I felt so justified in my thoughts and behavior in the past, is really hard. But what I have discovered is that it is really, really freeing. I have three girls, and they are the classic older child, middle child, and youngest child. My youngest seriously gets away with way too much. And the oldest is incredibly responsible and always looking out for her sister's well-being and safety. But she also likes to play the role of mom. She's often telling them to eat their dinner or get dressed or other things that are usually the things I am telling them to do. And I have to remind her again and again, you're not the mom. 
you get to be the sister. Like you get to be the sister. And I wonder in my own life how often I've tried to be God when I just get to be the sister. Now, I want to say having a soft heart doesn't mean I don't still uphold truth. Having a soft heart doesn't mean I let people walk all over me. But having a soft heart means I have the chance to see others through the eyes of Jesus. When my heart is filled with the love of Jesus, I look at others differently. When I look at others and my heart is hard or filled with myself, it is impossible to see them as he does. And as always, I want to say, I don't get this right all the time. I am writing from the field. I am a work in progress and I will be a work in progress until the day Christ comes or I am called home. Perfection is not what I am after, but the presence of the one who is. And when I meet with him, sorry, and when I meet with him, may I have the wisdom to surrender all that is keeping my heart hard and all that is keeping me from running fully and freely as he has called me to. Friend, God loves you just as you are. You don't need to polish yourself up for him. And just as you are, go to him. Spend time with him. Let him speak over you with love and truth. And when he presses your heart with conviction, don't turn away, but lean in. Lean in and surrender. Let him soften your heart. I'm going to leave you with one of my favorite verses from Ezekiel 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And that is God's promise for us. He will give us a new heart. All of the ways we have been hardened by all those things that have happened to us, by those things we have done, by our thoughts, our fears, our longings, our disappointments, all of the things that have over time begun to callous our hearts, he will replace them. He will turn our hard hearts of stone to soft hearts of flesh. This is his promise. And he always delivers on his promises. Friend, I hope this episode has taken you one step closer to thriving. Thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts, podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, If you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com. This has been an Extend Network production.